Hello and welcome to HBC's M5 podcast. It's that time every single week where we talk about the mission, the ministry, the music, yesterday's message, and anything else that is on your mind. And I'm your host, John Wilson, and you are tuned in to a very special edition of the M5 podcast because it is new things for the new year. Happy New Year uh, to all of you guys. And, and I want you to know that there are some new things going on here at HBC, and there, there's probably more new things than we have an opportunity to talk about uh, just in this time. But we wanted to highlight a few of them, just so you, like us, could get excited uh, about the amazing things that God is doing. And uh, in the studio with me, I have a few special guests. I have uh, to my left uh, a good friend of mine who's become a good friend of mine recently. We're going to call him Yusuf for the sake of uh, this podcast this morning. Yusuf, say hello to the folks. Hey, good morning. And uh, across from me, we have Rita Bragg. Rita, say hello to the folks. Good morning. And of course, we have our audio engineer extraordinaire, Miss Becca Smith, uh, who doesn't have a microphone this morning because we have so many people in the studio, but but you can hear her, she's here. Uh, and in just a little bit, we're going to get a chance to uh, to talk again to uh, Dr. Mike Dodson, who we are so grateful to have on our staff, and to just talk about some of the wonderful things that uh, that we see that God is doing uh, in the new year here at Hepzibah. So, uh, so Yusuf, I want to I want to come over to you first because uh, this is kind of like. I don't know if I had to characterize it a certain way, I would say like the newest new thing. Uh, you guys can trademark that if you want to, you can hashtag it. If people still do that, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but the newest new thing, and, and, and I wanted to get to share about it because many of you guys know that I just got back from uh, right before Christmas from a, a trip to India. Uh, and, and that was with uh, Yusuf. He and his family have uh, started attending Hepzibah and we got connected and he offered me the opportunity to go with him and to see some of the church planning work there. And I, and I, I thought, well, yeah, who doesn't leave their family behind like a week before Christmas and travel halfway across the world? So I said, yes, of course. Um, but, you know, before all of that happened, you know, I know that God was doing a work with you guys and with your family, and 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 obviously this is a part of the world, uh, both India and Pakistan and Afghanistan, that are really near and dear to your heart, and where you've been working a long time with those people. So maybe maybe the best place to start would be like, give us a little background on like how did we end up here? How did we end up where you and I are just sitting across from a microphone talking? How, what did you see God doing in your life that got that got you guys here? Well, I was born in 1984, and then... No, I, <laughs> We're going to have to speed it up just yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fast forward. Yeah, so uh, our family came back from uh, India in uh, July timeframe, July-August timeframe, and um, we were dealing with some family issues we needed to address back here stateside, um, but still planning to continue to execute church planning strategy in, in India and Afghanistan, Pakistan. Um, but... Uh, yeah, and, and you know, just the market the way it is, we ended up landing here in Wendell, and uh, and strangely enough, I, I graduated from high school here. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I remember you told me you you went to you went to East Wake High, right? Yeah, uh, and so it's interesting to be back in uh, in this little teeny tiny town of Wendell, although it's, it's changed a lot. Weird, it's definitely weird. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I, you know, I uh, I just felt like the Lord wanted us to come and, and visit here, and so we did. And, uh, and then, yeah, you and I kind of met that first Sunday, just started talking and had coffee, and, uh, and I shared what God is doing in, in the region. And, uh, and he's really, I mean, I, I really believe that we're in a Kairos moment when it comes to India 
in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Um, Can you talk for just a second, like about like, why are you working in those places? Like, why is it, you know, and for those folks that are listening, like this portion of the podcast, like I don't have an exact, and you guys heard me say this in service a couple of weeks ago. I don't, I don't have an exact, what does this look like for Hepzibah right now? But what I do, what, what I would love for people to hear is why, why has the Lord laid India and Pakistan and Afghanistan on your heart? Why do you believe that, uh, that this is the time to be working in those places? Well, here's what I know. Right after Jennifer and I came to faith in Christ, um, we were at a church service, and and some missionaries from Afghanistan they came and they they shared what God was doing among Afghan peoples, and that so that was one of the first uh, sermons that we heard was from a missionary to Afghanistan, and um, and and so fast forward when God called us to take the gospel to least reached peoples, uh, we had this this burden for Afghanistan. And we also had this burden for India because India has like one out of every three unreached people groups on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just the way that God has, has kind of woven our path relationally and otherwise, it's been with Afghans, it's been with Indians, it's been with Pakistanis. And so kind of kind of like the apostles in, in the New Testament, we're following these relational lines where they go. And, um, and so we stepped out of our former careers in 2017 and, uh, and went to India. And, um, and we were working with Indians there. But then we also we got connected with a group of Afghan refugees there at that time as well and started working with Afghan refugees. And so God kind of connected this, this burden with actual people while we were living in India. Mm. And we were also laboring among Indians. And so, so we just kind of continued to do that. Um, and, and that's kind of, that's a morphed a little bit over the past couple of years where we're focusing on one particular district in India now um, and focusing a lot more broadly on, on Afghan peoples since the fall of Kabul in, in August of 2021. Um, it's it's yeah. so interesting how, like, you were talking about being in India and, like, sensing this general call to the people of India, and then God opens up these relationships uh, among, among Afghans there. And, uh, and I think that's you know, that's, it so matches the story, you know, when I think about what's happened here at Hepzibah, like when anybody asks, well, how did you end up in this place or how did you end up in that place? The answer is almost always like, like we were just trucking along and then the Lord brought us somebody and that's we right. kind of, we kind of looked at the situation and we were like, well, we don't have a good reason to say no. So let's say yes. Uh, and see what God does. I mean, we, maybe we don't have all the facts. Maybe we don't know necessarily what it is that he's going to do in this time and in this place, but he seems to have brought it to us. So right. let's just try to let's just try to say yes and see where where he takes it. And, no, and, and you just hit the nail on the head. Um, my wife and I have been talking a lot about this. That that like since 2010, when we put our faith in Christ, like that was our yes then, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in 2014, when we when he sensed Jesus calling us to take the gospel to least reach peoples, and the church affirmed that, we put our yes on the table. You know, we did that again when we left our careers in 2017. And, um, and whenever we had the need, the family need to come back here for a season, that was, that was our yes. Um, and the same is true, like you're saying with, with, you know, Indian peoples, with, with Afghan peoples, um, we've just given our yes to Jesus wherever he has, has led, you Mm. know what I mean? Um, and even if that's the dangerous places like Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, so I, I think, 
we, we have a really like limited time on this podcast and I really want to give people just a taste so that they can like understand what's going on and so that they can see if it's something that they're interested in pursuing uh, themselves. And so the, maybe the two other things that like I would just love to hit on are, you know, one, uh, you know, obviously over the course of this year, as you guys have been back stateside, but then over the course of the time that you have been working in India, what is it that you see that God is doing? That's question one. And then two, you know, how, how do how can people help with that? Like I, I've given the church a challenge to pray, and I think that's probably the 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 best challenge for us right now. But I'm interested to hear also what you think about. Um, how people can come alongside the work that's happening there, whether it's in an official HPC capacity or not. So mm-hmm. first off, what, what what is it that you, at least over this you know last year, year and a half, couple of years, what is it that you see God doing in, in the groups that you're working with? Well, I just I mentioned the word kairos a minute ago, and, and meaning that this is a, a unique period of time where God is moving among peoples in that region. Um, so, you know, the great missionary century, the 19th century, we saw incredible um, missionary activity among South Asian people, like in India, Pakistan, uh, Bangladesh. Um, but, you know, you fast forward to today, and and we see something even, I mean, I'd say just as remarkable as that century. We see unreached, unengaged people groups being engaged at an incredible rate, Um Jesus just moving among people in ways that he just, just like he did in the New Testament, right? Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and mm-hmm. forever. And um, and that's exactly what we see in India. We see him um, healing people and saving people um, in every nook and cranny of, of India, um, all over Pakistan, and in all over the Afghan diaspora, um, including inside Afghanistan. Um, so so pretty incredible stuff, brother. Um so I, I like now in our in our day and age. So twenty twenty three going into twenty twenty four, there are more Afghans in Christ than at any other point in the Christian movement, hmm. uh, and the same is true of Indians. Um, and so. I think one of the interesting things that um, that I would that I saw that I think I would point to to just affirm that is is also just the engagement of uh, of the church in in India, right? Like, yeah. and just thinking about the leaders that. Uh, we met whether part of, you know, the, the formal, uh, you know, established church that exists already there or, it, it, you know, part of, uh, you know, lay leaders that are part of uh, a movement to, to see disciples made in any either of those capacities, just the amount of people that are that are excited uh, for the gospel to go forward and to use whatever God has given them, whether that's a hundred people or five people, uh, to, to see other people come to know Christ. Like that's a really, I think, exciting thing to see happening in a culture where there is so much darkness and where Mm -hmm. there is so many conflicting beliefs and where there are so, so many people that are so isolated that have believed the same thing for so long, uh, that have no access to, you know, to the gospel and to see these people that are willing to take it to them, I think is really, really exciting. Yeah, I mean, the church is very much alive in India. You know, a, a few years ago, there was a popular evangelical magazine that called it the Great Christward Movement of India. Mm. Um, and and so, yeah, the, the church is very alive and, and people are are taking whatever mina they have, whatever talent they have, and, and, uh, and they're using it. I mean, there's, again, there's wheat and tares too, right? Like there's sure. there's a lot of difficulty, I mean, messiness in in uh, church planting in India. 
and in Pakistan and <laughs> Afghanistan, um, but just tremendous beauty as Jesus does what he has done since the very beginning, brother. Yeah. So my second question was just how can people get involved? Like what, what would you say to somebody who, you know, for pretty much every one of uh, the folks here at Epsaba, apart from maybe like a couple that I can think of that uh, have some secular work that they've done in India, almost none of them have ever been there before. Uh, they, they might not know any uh, Indians. They might not know any Afghanis or, or Pakistanis. Uh, they don't speak the language. You know, this is not a part of the world that they're familiar with. Uh, and yet it seems to be that, that the Lord has, you know, connected you with us, at least for this moment in time. How, how can folks come alongside the work that you're doing? What, what is it that you would tell somebody that wanted to be involved? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the the first thing and the most important thing is to pray. Uh, you know, not to be too critical, but but as even as as twenty first century evangelical believers, we have a tendency to kind of you know, even subconsciously kind of relegate prayer to the secondary thing. You know, we say, well, yeah, I'll pray, but is there anything else like tangible? <laughs> what, I can what else could I do? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but but something that we've seen working um, in difficult parts of the world is prayer is the most valuable and vital thing that that the people of God can do. And so I would say one, learn a little bit about the region. Hmm. Just just get some cursory knowledge about the region and its people. Uh, and then I would say pray like crazy. Pray that the gospel would speed ahead. And that's what Paul prayed, I think, in mm-hmm. 2 Thessalonians 3, right? He said, hey, pray that the gospel would speed ahead. Mm-hmm. So pray that. Um, pray that the believers would stand up under persecution and thrive. Not just survive, but thrive. Mm. So, you know, up until this past year, India was the 10th most dangerous to follow Jesus, 10th most dangerous place. Um, Pakistan is number four, and Afghanistan is number one. Mm. Um, so uh, very difficult places to follow Jesus, but also places where people are are choosing to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he's worth following. So pray that they would stand up under persecution. Um, and then, then pray that God would resource his work. Um, just pray that, that God would help us to continue to do what he's called us to do, um, to continue to, to supply the needs of the saints in, in Afghanistan, in the Afghan diaspora, in Pakistan and in India. And and I, I would you know before uh, before I let you slide out so that we can bring another guest in like I, the thing that I would just encourage people in there and then I and I heard in that is do a little bit of research like you you don't need me to tell you everything that you need to know about you know India you Google is a powerful resource uh, and you guys use it for everything else like you want to know what's on sale at Target you Google it okay so you can Google what are the people in India what is it that they believe where are the places where they're at uh, and begin to use that to inform your prayer uh, Megan says all the time like you can't care about what you don't know about so take the time to inform yourself so that you can know better, so that you can care better, so that you can pray better. And if you hear something in, in this podcast and what Yusuf shared uh, and you and you want to pray for uh, the people of India, Afghanistan, Pakistan, do a little bit of research and let that inform your prayer. And if you do that and you still need help, come and see me. I, I will be glad to help uh, provide additional resources. But I think there's a lot that we can do on our own if we really you know, since the Lord moving and, and leading us to pray for something, there's a lot we can find out on our own, and there's tons of resources out there that will help guide you 
in what to pray for. And so uh, what a great encouragement for God's people for the new year to uh, to pray for some of, the, some of the most difficult places on earth that the gospel would go forward. Yeah, and I, and I would offer one more thing, one more action item, and that would be to, to be prepared to share your story and share God's story hmm. um, with these people who are you know, right here in our community. Yeah, that's true. So Nightdale, Wendell, Zebulon, Raleigh, um, we have Afghans. We have one of the largest South Asian diaspora populations in the country uh, here in North Carolina. So be prepared. To, to go across the street or or to talk to your your waiter in that you know the ethnic restaurant uh, and to share your story and share God's story because God has brought the nations unreached people groups to your doorstep yeah amen to that well hey brother I appreciate you being here I appreciate uh, the time that we got to spend together in India and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you know what it is that God is going to do in our in our time together this coming year amen brother thanks thank you for being here okay Rita over Same. to you so so glad that uh, you're here this morning, and I know that we, uh, a little while back, had uh, you and Bailey after the Women's Weekend on to, to just kind of talk about yeah, some of the changes yeah. in women's ministry, and we we briefly alluded to that, uh, that there was some coming uh, counseling uh, ministry, and so I thought this would be a great time for us to just talk about, like, what is going on in the, the, the world of counseling as it relates to your life? What has God been doing? What is he doing here? Uh, he seems to be bringing people that uh, really have a background in caring for uh others needs what's going on in their life in really, mm -hmm. really difficult Absolutely. circumstances. And, you know, I personally feel like, um, if we want to reach the community that is around us, then like we have to be ready to engage in some of these ways because people mm -hmm. not just inside the church, people outside the church are struggling with these things and they have nobody to turn to that's yeah. going to tell them the truth. And so I, I'm really excited for the Me work too. that's been happening. I know a lot of it has been happening behind the scenes and For it's been sure. a lot of collecting yeah. people and, uh, and hearing kind of what's going on and how God is gifting people and drawing them to this ministry. But, uh, tell us a little bit about what the Lord has laid on your heart for, uh, for counseling as it relates to HPC. Um, well, as far as what God has, has laid on my heart, um, Kevin and I have had experience um, in in our marriage, and I won't go into all of that, but um, in our marriage and in our family, had it not been for um, the intervention of counselors, of a group of people who are willing to step into our life mm -hmm. and kind of that life on life ministry really help us walk us through the difficult times in our life. Our family would probably look very different right now. So it's counseling and recovery ministry has, was life changing for us. Um, and we always known that, um, that God would use that part of our life. You know, he redeems those things even that we think are terrible. And so I, we definitely thought it was terrible at the time, but um, have seen him just continue to redeem that. So as I am super excited um, about the potential of a counseling and recovery ministry here. I really like what Yusef said, um, you know, talking about just the things that God was doing in that area and how God was moving and for us just to kind of step into that and be a part of that. I really strongly feel like, um, um, particularly for America, that the mental health arena, the, the problems that people are having mentally and emotionally really is 
one of the biggest frontiers in evangelism that we have. Um, people are looking for answers, and we have the answer. And so um, that is super exciting to me. And, and the fact that um, our leaders see the need and see the opportunity um, to really change people's lives and give them the answers that God's Word actually has. Um is is super exciting to me too. So yes, there have there have been a lot of um you know gathering people really like you have said just praying, praying that mm-hmm. God would that's first and foremost, praying that God would um help us see the plan that he has for this. Um help us because there are so many details in a counseling and recovery ministry. Um and just kind of opening the doors, bringing people and we have seen him answer those. Um for sure. They're the team that we have at this point. Um, everyone is super excited and, and that's kind of been a process too. just gathering the people that, um, really have a passion for this, that have really seen God work in their life that in that way as well. Well, and and I think it's, it goes to what you were just saying a minute ago about like God's redemptive nature, right? Because in, in this, in just the people that he's bringing to this, you know, we're not only seeing, uh, people that are passionate about a particular subject and want to counsel in it, but we're seeing people who have walked through uh, the issues that they're wanting to counsel and and have been the recipient mm-hmm. uh, of of God's mercy and grace and of people coming alongside them and walking with them and pointing them to biblical truth and they've been the recipient of healing. Um, and so then to want to turn around again, it's that it's that redemptive nature mm-hmm. of it to redeem that story that seems terrible, and it, it seems like it should have probably broken them, and it seems like it should have destroyed them, and yet uh, there there is healing and there is joy in that. And to be able to share that with someone else who is going through the same situation, not as an outside observer, not as somebody who says, I think I know what you're going through, not as somebody who says, I, I can see what's going on, but as somebody who says, I've been there. Absolutely. I know what that's like. Yeah. Let me point you to to the truth and to the way forward. I, th- I think that's a really, really uh, exciting thing. Yeah. And, and, and I think you're right. Like, I think, you know, mental health is such a, such a forefront for our culture and for the church. And it's either going to be an area that we lean in and engage and, uh, and, and use that to make inroads for the gospel, or it's going to be an area that we avoid because we're scared, because we don't know what to do, because we're worried about doing uh, the right thing. And mm-hmm. for, for the lack of that, we do nothing. Um, and and I, don't, I don't want that to be who we are. Right. Well, and I really do see that it's, a, it's an area that the enemy is, is stepping in in full force, you know, pointing people to, you know, look in, inward, look to themselves, look to, yeah. to this particular practice. That, Whatever so, your heart says is right. what the right thing is. Right. And yeah. so, and, and who doesn't want to hear that? Right. You know, who doesn't want to hear that? Oh, you know, I, I'm right. Of course I'm right. You know, so, but God's word, you know, the whole purpose um of us being here is to glorify God and to be crafted and sanctified into his image. And that's what, that's what God's word helps us do, but that's not easy. (laughs) That's not an easy thing. And so, you know, the, the path that we are hoping to show people may not be something that, um, is super popular or super easy, but it works. If people, if people really lean into what God's word says, it works. And we really do have the answers as the church. And I think it's, I think it's irresponsible actually, if we don't as the body of Christ step in and say, Hey, you know, we really do. God, God has the answer. He is the answer. Um, All this may help the symptoms, but we really want to get to the root issues. So 
Yeah, and 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 I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I think it is you know it is irresponsible for us to to not share you know the the way that people really can receive healing from the issues that they're going from, and and maybe to some extent to not be you know standing on our chairs jumping up and down saying at least look over here like right. uh you know we can't make people do it but we no. can do everything that we can to uh to try to get it in front of them and then point them to the truth and i think as as you and i have had some discussions you know along the way in this process like that's been the thing that has been on my heart is like I want to make sure that whatever resources, you know, we use for uh, this ministry point people to Christ as 100%. not part of the answer, but as the yeah, answer. Um, and that's been challenging. I've, yeah. I've, it's been challenging to find resources that um, that are fully reliant on pointing people to Christ and to Scripture as the answer to their problem and not just a part of it and not just confession generally and not just uh, forgiveness generally, but forgiveness in yeah. Uh, in Christ, um, but I think we're I think we're at a place now where we have resources for all of those uh, you know all of the avenues that we're exploring, and just for the people that are listening, like you know this has been a, a big topic of conversation because we can't do everything. Right. Uh, we can't have you know ev- right now right out of the gate we can't have 100%. people ready to um, to to counsel and to guide in every avenue and so right. we've had to look and say what are what are the biggest things that we see going on in the church what are the biggest things that we see going on in the community around us and to land on a few things mm-hmm. uh, that we know we need to do and to try to do those really well as we see where else God would lead so what are some of the what are some of the things that um, the Lord has laid on on your heart. What are some of the things that He's brought leaders for to uh, like maybe some of those segments of mm-hmm. uh, you know of either mental health needs or counseling needs that mm-hmm. um, that you see um, us really taking a step into in the new year. Um, we have several folks that um, are are willing to um, uh, counsel personally and are in the process of like getting degrees and things like that. So that's super exciting. As far as things that we have. Um, really we could we would have established groups pretty quickly um and we hope to have those um in this coming year is um a group a supportive group for um for guys who are struggling with sexual addiction um and we have we have leaders ready for that we also can can, can i just interject and like let's talk about that for just a second because I, i think this falls into the category of things that um, you know, the, the enemy would prefer that we just keep in the dark, that, that most people will just never talk about and yep. that, um, no matter how much they're, they're struggling, uh, it, it is so hard to overcome mm-hmm. the stigma, the stigma of, of struggling with those things and to go to someone and to get help. And yet, uh, it is eroding, uh, their faith. It's eroding 100%. their families. Um, and it, it is it is making us incapable of doing the things that uh, that Christ has called us to do, and yet Absolutely. we're we're so resistant to do anything about it. And, and so, if you're listening to this and you're struggling with sexual addiction, like I, I just I, I you know I hate to just call out one thing, but I just want to pause and just recognize that um, that that this is something that the enemy is using in our day and our time and the prevalence of sexual content, uh, in every media aspect. Uh, and, and he's trying to use that to, to keep you in the place that he has you. And, and I just want to encourage you and let you know that there, there is freedom, uh, from those things. And, and this is a really clear part of the, uh, of the strategy of what we're moving forward into in the new year. And, and there is hope in Christ and there is freedom and you can, 
uh, overcome these addictions and we, and we want to help. And so, and I think, um, I think it's important to, to know as well that the first step in, in recovering from something like, from something especially like that is bringing it into the light. Once yeah. you bring it into the light, it takes away all its power. Right. Um, and we've, we have seen that personally in our life. Um, secrecy kills. Isolation mm. is, will lie to you. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's where he tells you all the lies is in isolation. And so it's, so bringing it into the light is so important. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I stopped you no, before you talked about okay. the other one. So the, share with us what are some of the other uh, avenues that we're going to have available. Um, so kind of in that same vein, we we will have a group for the spouses who of the of the husbands who are struggling with with sexual addiction because you know it's just like you said it's an all can all encompassing problem and affects not just clearly not just the husband but it affects the family and everything else as well so a support group for that um we will have hopefully um a support group for those who have um uh had sexual abuse in their past um for those who have um, had abortions, so post-abortive care. And again, all of these things are will, will be led by someone who has had experience with this, not just someone who has knowledge about it, but someone who has walked through the process of recovery um, mm-hmm. in these areas. Yeah, and then I think the the other one that comes to mind is grief share, right? Right, uh, absolutely. So people yes. that are uh-huh. going through a traumatic loss and are, are grieving the loss yes. of a loved one, whether that's a spouse or uh, a parent or a child or uh, anyone else that's very close to them and, and uh, an opportunity to, to walk through those things with somebody mm-hmm. who cares and can point in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Anything else that I anything else that I missed? Those were the ones that were on my mind. So. Um, well, well, also, I think, I think we have... Um, like those who've experienced church hurt, yeah. um, I think it's so important to address that as well as the body of Christ, because there's, there have been a lot of people who have just been wounded by people in the church. Um, and th- to make the distinction between, you know, the church is full of people and, um, you know, they, everyone's broken, nobody's perfect. Yeah. Um, and so I think um, that is, is an important thing as well. Yes, I, I I love uh, I love this area of work. It's difficult, you know. I think it's it's hard. Like I I, I can't imagine um, all of the stories that are out there, both from people that are outside the church and pe- from people that are inside the church that um, that are either stuck in addiction, that are stuck in sin, that are wrestling with unforgiveness because of something that has happened in their life, and yet uh, it's such a critical part of of who we are as the church, who we've been called. Uh, to be to walk with people in those things, and I, and I think you know as we as we pivot over to to Dr. Mike, maybe my last thought on on this, Rita, is just like for so many years, people have said you know, and not specifically about Hepsua, but about churches in general, right? Like that that the reason they don't go to church is because they feel like everybody is hypocrites. They put on a good face, they act like everything is fine, but you know, inside they're they're wrestling with a lot of the same issues that are going on outside in the world. And pretty much every study that exists shows that uh, that the issues that exist in the world exist just as prevalently uh, in the church. And mm-hmm. I think part of our obligation in, in dealing with this is to deal with it, like you said, in a way that is open, in a way that brings things into the light, not so that uh, you can be embarrassed or, you know, necessarily exposed, but so that we can heal uh, and so that we can move forward and so that we can be, just be honest about where we're at and, and run to Christ and trust that he is sufficient uh, to love us and lead us and forgive us and shape us 
more and more into his image. And I think this is just one more way that, uh, that we get to do that together in this mm-hmm. new year. So exciting. So thank you so much sure. for, uh, for your work on thank this. You. So, uh, Dr. Mike is our last, uh, guest in studio and we wanted to spend some time talking about the work that has been going on with, uh, the leadership development. And we actually have a, um, a class that we're going to be offering this winter into spring, but before we do that, I do want to just mention, because uh, we had a guest that we scheduled to have on this podcast, but is not able uh, to be here. I wanted to, for just a second, mention Cesar and Nancy Brito, uh, a wonderful couple, if you've had a chance to, to meet them, and their uh, new son, TJ. Uh, they weren't able to be here this morning uh, due to uh, being a little bit under the weather, but uh, I wanted to put it out there just so that you guys know, many of you guys have talked to them, you've had them visit your connect group, you've seen them. Uh, they just completed um, a, a move to uh, Wendell. So they uh, have moved out of their place in Raleigh where it was closer to where they were previously attending at, uh, at Imago Day, And they have moved out here to Wendell to start the work on uh, planting a Spanish church alongside us. And that's something that we're excited about happening in the new year. Um, we've been talking with, you know, the leadership, we've been talking with the deacons. Uh, some of you guys may have even heard us mention, uh, a Spanish church, but I just wanted you to know and hear from me, like, this is something we're incredibly excited about as we're thinking about how does church planning look at HPC? And we're thinking about like, what, what is, what does the next 15 or so years look like? Uh, I think it would be a mistake for us to overlook the Spanish speaking uh, community because there are just absolutely tons of people in Wendell, Nightdale, Zebulon, um, who either the the, the parents, uh, their first language is Spanish, or the children uh, speak a, mi- a mixture of Spanish and English, depending on whether they're at school or at home. Uh, and so to, to not have a church plant offering that uh, that specifically is trying to get the gospel into the, some of these Spanish-speaking households, I think would be a miss for us. And so in the coming year, we're looking at how to do that uh, actually right here on Hepzibah's, uh campus. Our first Spanish church uh, plant um, is, is going to meet right here uh, so that we can um, eliminate some of the overhead of having to have a building and um, in all likelihood, it'll be different uh, different times than our normal service, but it will allow us to begin to lay some of the groundwork to reach uh, Spanish-speaking people uh, with the hope of the gospel all over this area. And, and my sincere hope, and one of the reasons why we're exploring uh, a Spanish-speaking church as part of our church planning strategy instead of uh, as a Spanish ministry, is my, my sincere hope is that a Spanish-speaking church will birth more Spanish-speaking churches, that they will plant out of them in other areas that are a little bit further out more churches that um, that that are reaching people that speak Spanish with, with the hope of the gospel. And so uh, that's a really exciting thing, something we hope to be able to tell you a lot more about uh, in this coming year, uh, and they weren't able to make it today. So I wanted to take a minute to just talk about that, and uh, I did that by cutting into your time, Dr. Mike, so I'm sorry about that. Um, <laughs> No, I, I think this is a great, uh, a great conversation to use to uh, in this new things on New Year's Day podcast, because we've had you on a couple of times, Dr. Mike. And uh, some people may be wondering, like, you know, I see Mike around, I, uh, you know, I've, I've heard some things from him, but I don't know exactly what's been going on with uh, leadership development at HBC. So what would you share with the folks? What are, what are you excited about for the new year? 
So welcome to 2024. Yeah, that's it. It's yeah. exciting to hear. Happy New Year. All, yeah. these, all these new things that, uh, where God is at work and how he's at work. And just thinking about the connections and relationships between what's already been shared and how things kind of tie together. Uh, so we're going to launch this uh, new initiative. Uh, we're calling it Advanced Leadership Development. And I think... I was really advocating for Advanced Leadership Development Institute so that we could call it Aldi, but there's <laughs> there's some trademark issues there. So, <laughs> yeah. So for me, the the advanced part obviously it connects it to the Advanced Church Network yep. because what we're doing is not going to be just for Hepzibah um, and the leaders at Hepzibah, but it, it's going to be for other churches in the area as well who want to participate and be involved in it, but. Obviously, it also it also relates to advancing the kingdom. Yeah, and so this phase that we're we're gonna launch, we're gonna do a pilot in February and March, and around the competency of spiritual warfare and suffering. So some of the other competencies that people would be able to engage in, it's gonna be a cohort environment where people can learn and grow together mm. around these competencies. But it's also gonna involve local church coaching. So we're gonna. One of the one of the other goals, kind of underlying all of it, is to develop a coaching culture uh, where people can be intentionally invested in and uh, grow that coaching environment culture. So, uh, basically, we're just launching. So, if people want to get in on the launch phase, we're going to pilot this competency in February and March and kind of figure things out practically. Yeah. Uh, because the plan's in place, but uh, you really don't, you know, you really don't know all the ins and outs of it until you actually do it. So yeah. we're going to, we're going to, we're going to launch it. One of the, one of the things that I think, you know, just occurred to me and, um, and, and I hope maybe you see it the same way, but because of the, because of the desire to connect people that are going through either, whether it's just one of these cohorts or one of these modules or whether they're going through a series of them, but to connect them with a coach that's in their uh, local church means that something like this cohort is, is, very scalable. Like it, it really doesn't matter whether we have five people in there or 45 people in there because everybody is going to be paired with somebody that is going to kind of walk through this with them and coach them along in the process. Uh, and it, and it makes it very possible for depending on who signs up. And if you guys are listening to this and you hear something that you want to learn about, um, it means that we could do it for a lot of people uh, at one time because there's both yes. uh, there's both a group component component and there's a personal component to it. Correct. So, will be the the competencies uh, the cohorts will run uh, seven weeks, mm. and there'll be four cohort meetings and then three coaching meetings in between the cohort meetings. Uh, so, um, and these competencies. The other thing that we built into the process is, uh, and I call this this phase of development, leading mission. Yeah. So basically, it's kind of like if you think of leaders being on mission, we want to instill, obviously, some key competencies that leaders um, need to, to become better leaders. And maybe God's, as God stirs people's hearts to, to be on mission with Him, um, that could mean lots of different things. Yeah and lots of different areas of involvement. And so, um, but one of, the com- one of the components we want to build in, there's going to be a missional component in every cohort that people are responsible to engage in. And so that's key to the whole thing. So this, is a, this, this uh, leadership development uh, process that, that we're launching is not just about learning stuff. 
It's about just to make sure I understand you clearly. Like, we can't just develop leaders by putting them in a classroom. That's correct. Okay, that's absolutely correct. So there's going to be really, a, I mean, the simplest way to to talk about it is there's going to be a head component, a heart component, and a hands component uh, to all of this. And so uh, people who are engaged in it, yeah, we're going to learn some good stuff. Yep. And uh, around each of those competencies, but we're also going to engage the heart and also engage uh, in demonstrating uh, related to the things we're learning. So missional component could be, for example, um, if, and, and some of this can be, uh, I guess you'd say, negotiable between uh, the coach and, and the participant or the student. Uh, but let's say, for example, the missional component would be engage in three gospel conversations during, during the seven-week span of that that's just an example of what a missional component means Mm. and so we want people engaging practically in advancing the gospel uh, while they're involved in this development process so i i love the idea behind it i love how you know we're we're thinking about um if if what God has called us to do for for where He's taking us in the future is to raise up and develop leaders and equip them for something that He either is calling them to right now or is calling them in the future, and we got to be adaptable to that, right? Like I, I love the idea of like we're preparing people for whatever it is that God is calling them to, and I love um, the the just hands on component of it, right? Like that it's not we're not just teaching you something, uh, and then you know you go and take a break for a week and come back the next week. No, there is there is an expectation that what you're learning, you're applying, and that God is uh, working on your heart in those things, and that you're having an opportunity to talk with somebody else about that, and to pray about those things, and be coached in them, and then to apply them in what you do. This all sounds like it's really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, actually, uh, we're just, we're going to ask uh, $25 per competency. And um, if people want to go and they can add an extra layer of learning and development as well um, that we really don't have time to talk about, but there'll be information out about all of this and simple application. So, um, but yeah, it's just a $25 for the, for each competency. Yeah. I, I love that. Uh, we, we tried to make it as accessible as, uh, as possible for anybody that, uh, that, that wanted to learn about these things. And I know that this has been a little bit longer than probably some of our other podcasts, but there was just so much to talk about. I, I think the thing that I would love to end on Dr. Mike is why spiritual warfare and suffering? Like wh- why, why start there? Um, you know, I, I have a thought, but, you know, just as I think about like what, what we set out to do with this, as I think about like what our people need, why, why is that where we're starting? Well, there's one practical reason is in the, in the scope of the development process, it's actually the last competency. Mm. Um, but, uh, I would say at the same time, spiritual warfare and suffering, uh, to me is a, you could also call it a foundational competency. Yeah. If you're going to engage in ministry and mission uh, in advancing the gospel, we are just engaging in spiritual warfare. That's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. And engaging in ministry and being on mission um, really always entails suffering. Hmm. I mean, I think, I think about Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, and 
you know, basically he called suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's really where the, the idea comes from. And so I think if people don't have that mindset and that um, skill and equipping to engage from that perspective, um, you can get uh, beat up pretty, pretty quickly and even disengage. Yeah. Uh, but if you understand from the moment you engage, hey, this is just part of the what comes with the territory, yeah. then um, then obviously that's part of the equipping process. We want people to be equipped, prepared to engage well. And so that's that's how I would answer that question. Yeah, I, I was talking with somebody about this last week and telling them that that was the, the first thing that we were going to do as a pilot. And when I said suffering, they said, you mean like how to walk with people through suffering? And I was like, no. I mean, like how to suffer, uh, how to suffer how, well, how to suffer well yeah. uh, for the sake of the gospel. And I think one of the great reasons in my mind to do this is for the same reason that we're we're launching this advanced leadership development is because we want to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And this is an area where we, uh, as the church, have fallen short. Uh, I think on uh, on educating people. And again, I, I mean the big C church. I don't mean just Hepzibah. I mean the the global church has fallen short on uh, educating Christians on how to suffer well uh, for the sake of the gospel. And so what a great place to start this pilot by, by just doing some teaching and some practical application and some coaching on something that people don't often get. Uh, whether it's in small groups or from the pulpit or, you know, on things they watch online, they're not getting a lot of teaching on uh, how to engage in spiritual warfare and how to suffer well. Yep. So looking forward to it. I, I'm so excited, Mike. I so appreciate um, really all of you guys because behind what y'all heard on just a few minutes of a podcast uh, is countless, uh, countless hours and hours and hours and weeks and months of work and meetings and planning and thoughtfulness and prayerfulness uh, to try to make sure that what we uh, are putting out to you guys um, is going to glorify God, is going to be what it is that he would have us to do, is going to exalt Christ in our community. And I, I really hope that as you're listening to this on this New Year's Day that you're excited uh, because there are amazing things happening uh, this coming year here at Hepzibah. And so thank you so much for listening. Uh, it has been a wonderful time on HBC's M5 podcast. But don't forget that last M, go and make disciples. Until we talk again next week, 